Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on kids now gather round Grab along and sit right down What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire now hit the ground It's the campfire shit show And now your camp counselors Bo Hufford and Meryl Klimo Meryl, hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Welcome back for another edition. I whatever the wait. fuck this is. I am so freaking excited today. I'm a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say. I'm. A, I'm nerve intimidated. Mm, nerve intimidated. Intimidated, but in the best freaking way possible because we're talking to someone that's like very, very important to me. Yeah. Well, tell us. Okay. It's Lisa Sunset. Woo. So <laughs> many of you. Guys, no, I took the Pretty Funny Women class up in L.A. for a while. I yep. was driving up and back from San Diego to Los Angeles. Doing stand-up comedy. Doing stand-up comedy. It really, I felt like it really changed my life in the way where it gave me confidence. It also helped me, you know, just do stand-up for the first time, which was something that I had, like, thought about and was kind of afraid of. And that's why I really wanted to do it yeah. because it was, like, that scary thing. So I felt like... Looking back, I'm like, I, I'm so happy that I went with Lisa's class because it is, it is definitely really renowned, not just in Hollywood, but just in the comedy world as being a really great breeder ground. And yeah. Lisa herself is super famous for um, writing on a bunch of shows. I'm sure she'll tell us launching the Pretty Funny Women showcase, all the fun things. Touching so many people's lives and helping them go through this course and then going out to become big and famous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's get into the sleeping bag with Lisa Sunset. We're talking? Already. We're talking right now. Holy <laughs> Why waste time? Why waste time? I'm so happy to see Lisa. Yeah. Oh I missed my. your beautiful face. I really did. Oh my God. Thank you for calling me beautiful. You I are. never never got one compliment from my ex in eight years. Really? Not no. one. I would say I would get really dressed up for a show. And, you know, we wear dresses and everything. Yes. I would do my makeup, my hair, and I would say, How do I look? And he'd look at me up and down and he'd go, Good. And I was like, That's it. <laughs> I was and like, that's it? Can I get a little more? Nope. <gasps> nothing. <laughs> Fuck. I got yeah. nothing. Do you think he was jealous at how like popular you are? How successful you? No, he was very supportive of the comedy. Came to all the shows and stuff. I just think he's got schizoid personality disorder. 
and he was shut down <laughs> and uh, couldn't um, couldn't connect or give compliments or even open up. There was no intimacy. Could, could he take compliments? I, I know nope. I know that's a thing that uh, some people struggle with. <laughs> all, the, the, all the schizoids here. That's my favorite thing to do is compliment. That's my love language. Is it? Yeah, words of affirmation. Nice. So listen, when someone's trying to give you a compliment, they're trying to give you a gift. It'd be like going to a baby shower and you hand over a present and the person goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, "Uh, okay. And the person giving the compliment, it makes them feel good to give. So your love language is words of affirmation, but does that mean that you give that or does that mean you want to receive that? I want to receive okay, it. Okay, so you give it knowing that that your love language is words of affirmation yes. to receive. Oh my gosh, that's so sneaky. Now I'm doubting any that's compliments. That's so that's so <laughs> wonderful about you. You know, I was just sitting here thinking like how wonderful you are as a person. But now we know you're is just that, one of us. Is this working? <laughs> is this working? But actually something that I lo- I love about you is I always equate you to like a a tough ballet teacher that is is not overly like effusive in terms of compliments because there was times when I was taking your class where and one of the things I love is and I think really is intimidating but still really good is that if you don't find something funny you'll just like sit there deadpan and stare <laughs> and I think that's really good when you're learning comedy because it's almost like you're the a very tough critic at first and I think that helps get people ready for the real world where mm-hmm. you don't always get laughs and everyone's like you're so funny well you know what I call it my thinking face Okay, your thinking thinking. face scares me. Yeah, it it. scares everybody. I'm intimidated. It's it's, I'm trying to think how to make the joke better. That's all I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you're not thinking like, fuck this girl. No, never. I don't think that about people. I love everybody. But I will say that it doesn't serve anybody if I if I just go, that's great. Mm. Doesn't nobody learns exactly honesty over kindness. Yeah, that's what I, I always say. That is like. You're not gonna. You're not gonna grow from me telling you you're great in every way. It doesn't. It doesn't help you. I'm not gonna be a dick, but also like I'm gonna tell you like, oh, that could use a little work. Or yeah, you know what I've noticed is, and maybe you see this too, is when I'm writing with somebody or I'm doing any kind of project and someone pitches an idea, I'm sitting there kind of like thinking like the way that you just described, and I'm like, okay, okay, and I'm thinking of all the things that it could be other than that, and then I I watch people melt down. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're like, the silence kills them. So then they start, okay, no, maybe that's not it. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, 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 just be confident <laughs> yeah. for a second. Let's work mm-hmm. through this. Mm-hmm. But instead, they're already tearing down their own walls. Like, you gave me five seconds of silence, and now I know my idea is crap, you know? Mm-hmm. See, yeah. it's, see, I don't care <laughs> what people, yeah. it's not yeah. my business what other people think of me, Yeah, which we say in Al-Anon. And uh, I just have to be me and be rigorously honest as according to my 12-step program. Yeah. When do you know to take what other people say and when do you know to just be plow through and be like, no, this is my own. I like getting feedback from other comedians mm-hmm. only or yeah. an audience. Really? Audience will tell you. Yeah. You know, an audience, it's a conversation between you and the audience and you talk then you listen and they say something hopefully what they say is a laugh a lot of times it's silence and then you have to address that you can't just plow through and get louder monologue (laughs) mode like a lot of my students do they're just like and i'm like that would totally be me my head would explode (laughs) i'm like you're in monologue mode this is not acting this is stand-up it's a conversation you got to give and take you got to listen as much as you talk yeah so so let's let's kind of talk a little bit about your your past in comedy. How did you get started in comedy? What led you there? 
Um, well, I was an, a singer, dancer, and a showgirl, and I worked on cruise ships and Vegas, and I toured the world with Sean and Ah, the 50s band. Wow. And I wanted to be on a sitcom so bad. That's all I ever wanted. Uh, what, what was the sitcom when you were growing up that was like, this is the, ah, I wish I could be on Golden that. Girls, but I was too young. Okay, okay. <laughs> you could have been like someone's step cousin or something. You could have been a, a neighbor. Uh, no, my favorite sitcom was Cheers. Yeah. You know, I like, um, but the reason I like Golden Girls is because they were older and there was not a lot of action. It was all conversations in the living room. Sure. And I was like, this is the most brilliant writing I've ever seen on any show that any multicam show that's ever existed. And it yeah. still holds the test of time. Like we were watching episodes and they were tackling like racism and homophobia back then. Oh, they were very yeah. edgy. And eating cheesecake. And gambling. They talked about, uh, you know, B. Arthur had a gambling problem. Really? And I'm like, oh, she's like me. <laughs> would you would you say you're most like a Dorothy or which one would you? Yeah. Yeah. Dorothy. But I feel like your your face also could be a Sophia. Sophia ain't taking any shit. <laughs> and you also have the sultriness of Blanche, and I'm not giving a compliment. It uh, sounds like you're back. all golden girls. Yeah, you are. You're kind like. of all of them rolled in one. But anyway, so I was singing and dancing and touring the world, and then I dated this agent and at the time, and he goes, you want to be on a sitcom? Go do stand-up comedy. You'll get seen by the industry. You'll get a manager. You'll get everything you ever wanted. So I went. And and got in, uh, and I started doing stand up a week later. Really? Yes. Wow. And I got on stage at this gay bar called The Rage, <laughs> and it doesn't exist anymore. It shut down during the pandemic. No. It's so sad. And it was a contest, and you got a hundred bucks if you won, and I won. Shut up. And I was like, oh, uh, this is easy. Oh. <laughs> I'm a genius. Did, did you have a, like a five minute set prepared? Did you just go up and I had a five minute set did. prepared, but I also sang in my act at that time mm. because I was a singer and none of the comics respected me. They were like, You're just a variety act, you're not a comic. Mm. But I was like, I do what I do. And so <laughs> I get on stage at the next show I did, I can't remember where it was, bombed bombed no laughs i was like oh i guess i suck i should quit it's like stand-up is like oh i'm the best mm -hmm. or i'm the worst mm -hmm. it's just ego mm -hmm. that's your ego tells you you're either the best at something or you're you're better than everybody or you're not as good that's mm -hmm. ego why do you think that is because i hear so many comics having like an amazing first show and then it seems to be the pattern of then the second or the third is like, oh, I am nobody. OK, I just think that's the way stand up goes. You could have the worst set first. Yeah, I bombed at the Montreal Comedy Festival so bad. It was the worst. It was a shit show moment if I've ever. <gasps> let's let's hear if it. If I've ever. <laughs> I, I love that you're doing our own segues for us. Oh, my God. I just want to relax and lay on the floor. That's so nice to have someone else do that knows what they're doing, actually. That's funny. So my manager at the time was a man named Jason Solomon, and he believed in me so much. And he represented Anthony Clark, who was a comic from Chicago and at the time was on a sitcom of his own show. I can't remember the name, but he was the lead, and I think it was called Anthony Clark. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you forget that one? <laughs> and um, so uh, he said to the people at Montreal, yeah, I'll give you Anthony Clark, but you got to take my client, Lisa Sunstead. And they didn't want to take me. 
And I was like, you better take me. I'm a star. <laughs> and it was, it was. The way you just stared over my shoulder yeah, when you said that. I, I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> some old uh, some old glamour movie where the woman is like oh send her- Mac <laughs> Liz Taylor like gets, smashes the mirror like, yeah. yeah what's the big idea Mac why are you looking at me like that look at those gams on Meryl <laughs> I don't even know what those are those are my legs right yeah you don't want to look at my gams yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like two feet long nice gams Mac <laughs> um, so I where was I oh so it was Anthony you, Clark you were like oh, you're yeah. taking me I'm a star and I was like I'm a star two years into stand up two years so that's nothing right so that's a baby so i go to the montreal comedy festival and i got into a manic episode because i'm bipolar i'm sorry i have bipolar disorder mm, i'm not identity, bipolar yeah. my therapist taught me that he's like don't ever say that again you have something that is not define you what defines me is my beauty Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone saying like i'm a depressed person or i'm an anxious person yeah it's like don't label yourself like that yeah like, you have anxiety we have depression yeah, like, yeah. i have bipolar mm-hmm. disorder it's yeah. something i've dealt with since i was in my 20s but I'm unmedicated because i was drinking and self-medicating with the alcohol so i go to this festival and i'm like out of my mind manic out of my mind first of all nervous as hell because everyone there is a pro. Yeah. And I'm that's like, gotta be tough. and people, the industry people go, all of the industry in Los Angeles, this was back then. And they all sit upstairs Ugh. together and they don't laugh. They just watch. There's an audience below you, right? And so I'm, I'm, uh, it's my turn. It's called New Faces. That's the new talent. And there's 20 of us. I go fourth. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna, fucking kill this <laughs> I, um, these people are gonna be blown away you're gonna have your own sitcom by the end of the yeah, night exa- yeah and that's what happened to people they got yeah. development deals yeah. and everything so i go to the <laughs> i get on stage oh no first of all i forgot to tell you all the industry people were walking up to me before my set they were going heard so much about you can't wait to see you oh i think i'd want to stay away from people beforehand i and i was like thank you Thank you. Get ready. And my manager was like, yep. And <laughs> I mean, but that's like, that's like that line from Airplane. Just want to wish you good luck. We're all counting on you. Oh, no. <laughs> remember that line from Airplane? I don't remember that line. But I, I know the movie. I love the movie. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. They would just keep opening the cockpit door to the pilot and going, just want to say good luck and we're all counting on you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, so I get on stage and my best joke which was my, I put it in the middle of my set. I didn't close with it. And um, I should, well, my best joke used to go like this. I sold it to Chelsea Handler when I was working on her show. But um, it it said, um, yeah, um, I went on a date with a guy and it was really fun. He made me laugh. He made me blush. He made me pay. <laughs> and, I, and then he, and he said, oh, sorry, I forgot my wallet. And I said, really? Well, I forgot my vagina. <laughs> and that was my killer joke at that time, right? Dead silence. Oh, Dead God. silence. Man. Man. And no, the audience didn't laugh. So it's... Send me into a spiral. Of course. I didn't know how to handle silence, which now I would have addressed it after 25 years of stand-up. I would have said, oh, thanks. That's my best joke. If 
fuck off yeah. <laughs> yeah. or something. And um, I just froze and panicked and did monologue mode and sped up and got louder. And, and it was so awkward. It was terrible. It was awful. Then the industry people avoided me. They wouldn't look me in the eye. So then there's another show. It's at a little club. And it's called, um, I, can't, I think it's called The Club. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was <laughs> Wait, did, before. Did the agent say anything to you? Like, did he my manager? Or the manager, yeah. Did he recognize no, that? No, he it was, was so he was always trying to make me feel. He was a great okay, manager, okay. and um, he was just like, "That's ah, okay. You got another. You got a second chance. You'll be fine." So I go to this. It was this club, and I'm like um, <laughs> nervous as hell backstage talking to Bruce Smith, who's a comedy manager, talking to Rich Super, who's a personal appearance agent. And I'm like, I'm really nervous. They go, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. So um, it's, you know, I'm up next. The booker comes up to me. He goes, hey, Lisa, we're going to bump you. Ray Romano's here. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, he'll just go on before you. He's just doing a quick 15. Oh, no. Uh, no, no. I was, I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Going up after Ray Romano? Oh my God. Yeah, at the peak of his sitcom. Ah. <sighs> I think it was called Everybody Loves Ray. Mm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh um, so he gets on stage and destroys. I mean, before he even opened his mouth, people were oh, going they crazy. They want it. They want it so bad. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, okay, well, this is going to be another bomb. I get up on stage and I destroyed. Really? Yes, good because the audience was in a really good mood. Yeah. Right, they were ready. So sometimes you, you get afraid, like you're going to follow somebody really great and you're going to bomb, but sometimes it helps you. Yeah. So I destroyed, but not one industry person was there right. to help oh. my career. Right. Oh. So nobody saw it. What about mm. Ray? He could have given you like a... What if you just... He pay- left. What oh. if you just You know, paid. he left after a set. Yeah, what if you just paid him, though, to constantly go to every club you go to and go up right before? <laughs> it's like, I got to kill this. I got to kill Ray. I don't get have over that here? money. I gambled it all away. <laughs> oh, God. So I, yeah, so that was my moment. And then I couldn't get seen by the industry for probably four years after that because Jesus. they were all like, oh, we know her. We've seen her. Really? Mm-hmm. So it stays for that long. Like this person has a bad set. Back and just, then it did. Yeah. Back then it did for me anyway. It just wasn't my time. Then I had a... Uh, I had a producer that loved me. He did believe in me. And he he created a show starring Michael J. Fox. And he said, oh, I want you to play his wife. And it was my dream. Sitcom, right? Yeah. Uh, only been acting for two years. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I could be Michael J. Fox's wife. <laughs> 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 no credits. You know. So I go into the audition. Blew it again. Blew it so bad that Billy had to say to me, Billy, the producer, and had to say to me during the audition, hey, hey, Lisa, do some of your stand up. And so I had to do stand up in an acting audition to redeem myself. Uh. And they were just stared at me like, <laughs> this is awkward. I left. I cried. I felt suicidal. And um, he called me and I'm like, well, at least he'll make me feel better. And I go, um, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't go. He goes, you weren't great. <laughs> hey, at least he's honest. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And then I kept going on little sitcom auditions and blowing every single one because I was bipolar and unmedicated. Mm. I wasn't grounded. I didn't, you know, mm. I couldn't handle the stress. 
Wow. So that happened to me in my 20s. But then one night I was at the Hollywood Improv and I was with my bestie, Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Oh my God, Lisa's saying that because she knows I'm fainting. Because Stephanie, it, that's how I heard about about you in the first place. Because I listened to, she does a show with Adam Curl's wife, Lynette, okay. for Crying Out Loud. And I'm a huge fan of that show. And then uh, Stephanie would always talk about you on that show about and your, your pretty funny women sh- uh, like showcase and all that stuff. And so then I found out about you and that's how and when i finally met her at the christmas party i wanted to faint and like uh-huh. i was like oh my god thank you uh-huh. i love that you're fanning out you're a fangirl <laughs> of my I best was fanning out. and then but then there was another woman who i feel like you guys are friends with who this was my moment of meeting stephanie and the other woman kept on like almost trying to steal her away and i'm like who oh. that one is? i know but she's okay oh my god i know oh yeah okay uh, okay so what was the thing oh yeah so Another moment. Uh, so your bestie, Stephanie. Oh, so I'm at the Hollywood Improv and I'm really eager new comic stars in my eyes. And this big time producer, I can't remember his name, but he was I think his name was big time producer. <laughs> um, he, I love the way that you remember things. <laughs> it, it reminds me of like a comic or something. It's just like a cloud. with like with this, yeah. So we were talking and he was probably wanting to sleep with me you know Mm -hmm. i was really hot back then um you know i'm 53 now it's like my neck is not good (laughs) and uh, i had such a nice neck back then it's funny how you never appreciate your your good qualities when you're younger you i thought i had a fat neck um (laughs) your neck seems so proportional to me now though no but it's wrinkly i need a facelift i'm getting one really yeah with the gambling money i lost (laughs) <laughs> so I, I, go, I go I said to him He said what do you do And I said I'm a comedian And he goes You're too pretty to be funny mm. And I go Thank you I don't know what that's a compliment I don't know what that was It's trying to be a compliment it, it's, it's misguided Yeah For sure And I was like Okay, and then, he, and then I just walked away, and I was dejected, and I said, Stephanie, that guy just told me it's too pretty to be funny. She goes, oh, fuck him. Who gives a shit what he says? And I go, but I like the title. I like Pretty Funny. I go, why don't we put on our own show? Call it Pretty Funny Women. We'll get really hot and dressed up, because Friends was big back then, and everyone was looking for Pretty Funny. Everyone oh, yeah. Everyone was looking for Pretty Funny Girls. Yeah. And so I, I, we got all dolled up we put on this show at a club called luna park on santa monica boulevard which doesn't exist anymore and we sold it out we had industry packets with headshots and resumes for every single industry person and um paradigm agency was there they picked me up as a comic oh my god they took that tape vhs back then sent it around to everybody and they and tristar television gave me a thirty thousand dollar holding deal Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So you basically like created your own little path in the industry. I did. And and I've kept pretty funny women going by myself single-handedly ever since. Wow. So that was 1995. Okay. And then when did it turn into showcases as well as you teaching? Um, Okay. So probably in the early 2000s is when I started discovering talent or I thought I was discovering talent but you know I'm having ego so <laughs> I was like um, okay so uh, first of all I would produce pretty funny women in the belly room at the comedy, comedy store, store yeah. and um, 
<coughs> Tig Nataro r- was broke and rode her bike to the comedy store and asked me if she could do a set. Aww. And I was like, sure. So I put her on stage and I was like, this is the funniest person I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I started. So then then we moved Pretty Funny Women to the Hollywood Improv because it kept getting bigger. And I just put her on every show I ever had from then on. And then uh, and then uh, Mark Shulman, who's a friend of mine, he's a manager at Three Arts. He called me one time and he said, I have a client, Lisa, can you put her on a Pretty Funny Woman show? And I was like, oh, who is this? You know, it's always people asking me for favors, not one person ever giving me anything. Yeah. You know, no one ever like, got me a job or it it was all favor 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 and i felt used and i felt like but my mission was to empower women through the art of stand-up comedy so i just had to keep sticking to my mission and my purpose so he he goes what i go what's her name and he goes her name's chelsea handler and i'd heard of her because she didn't do so well in montreal and i was like okay but she has to go first and she can only do five and he's like that's fine so packed room full of industry she gets up she does five i was like this girl's gonna be a star really she's gonna be a star yep so i put her on every show i ever had (laughs) so then natasha legero comes comes along and i'm like this girl's gonna be a star i brought her to la jolla comedy store um and and she bombed and i was like it doesn't matter these people just don't get her yeah she is so smart. She's so smart. She's so unique. Mm-hmm. And um, the Maria Bamford. Oh, and I was like, oh Maria. God. I love Maria. Yeah. Maria's a genius. She really is a genius. Mm-hmm. Absolute genius. Mm. So I put her on my show. So at one point, at the height of Pretty Funny Women, when I was producing, I wasn't teaching yet. I was just producer. I had Maria Bamford, Natasha Legero, Tignataro, Vicky Barbalak, oh. Sean Polofsky, Stephanie Wilder Taylor, and Chelsea Handler. Oh my God. That's awesome. And what were the crowds like? Was it just a mix of men and women and mm-hmm. young? So and 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 they loved my show. Yeah. And they came back and came back and came back. And then the Hollywood improv and kick kinda kicked me out after that. Why? Because um, I wasn't a star. Mm. And these girls started to blow up and they wouldn't come back and do Pretty Funny Women anymore. They were headlining their own shows. Sure. They didn't need to do my little show. Yeah. You know, they became, and Retta, you know Retta? Retta. Retta. She's on. Um, <laughs> you just repeat good, Retta. Good Girls. or She was on Parks and Rec. Oh, I don't know. African American. Super funny. Hmm. Uh, Sherry Shepard. Sarah Silverman popped in. I had Margaret Cho. Uh, it was just, it was crazy. I would have all these pop-ins and, and I was like, these girls, this is like, this show should be sold. Yeah. This show should be yeah. sold. This show should needs to be on TV. It's nobody knew who these people were yet. They were all unknowns. I knew in, instinctively. Yeah. This is special. Yeah. And so they um, all went off and became big headliners. But I worked for Chelsea Handler for many years. I wrote on the Chelsea Handler show. I wrote on Chelsea lately. And here's a shit show moment. <laughs> 
I was working as a voiceover artist doing the Vaughn Safeway campaign. You know, Vaughn's ingredients for life. I can't believe that. Peaches, two ninety nine a pound. And um, did you have to record like all the bananas, plums, like every fruit? everything, really everything, all the meat that's on sale, the waters, oh, the CV, 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 whatever you call it, the five cents you get back. Oh yeah, yeah, CBT or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And um, so I was doing. See, when you're bipolar, you can be very high functioning at at points in your life, and you're hypomanic mm-hmm. before you go into an episode. So I'm I'm uh, I'm doing. I had a development deal with Una Murray for Pretty Funny Women. Finally, <gasps> I had the Von Safeway campaign, which took up a lot of time, and then I was writing on Chelsea lately. Oh my gosh! So I was doing three jobs, uh huh, and producing pretty funny women on the side at the Improv. Wow! Or wherever I was uh, at that time. So I I'm writing on this show. It's not a big show yet. Chelsea lately, she was getting guests like New York from Flavor Flav, and yeah. you know, but I loved New York, Miss. You know, New yeah. York from yeah. Flavor, and yeah. I love. I just loved our guests. And um, I'm writing on this show, and I go into a full-blown manic episode. <clears throat> and I was like, couldn't handle the stress. Stress triggers it. Mm. Does it happen within like a day, or is it kind no, of No, it's like kind, a- of, kind of revs you up a little bit. But the hypomania is where you're at your peak of high functioning, you know, and you can accomplish all these things. Yeah. So I, I am doing this voiceover campaign, and, and the bot, my the EP at the time pulls me aside and says to me, you can't do both. You can't. You can either work for us or do your Von Safeway campaign. And she said, I want you to choose and tell me in a week. And I got, got so manic. Um, I, I just, I chose my voiceover campaign because it was less hours, obviously, and it was easier yeah, and then Chelsea lately blew up oh. <laughs> to be the biggest show on television. After I left, got fired. Kind of, I would say fired because I cried and begged Chelsea, please let me just come in a little late, please. And she was like, No, really? Yep, no. She goes, Talk to Corin. I'm not in charge. And I was like, That hurt my feelings a lot. Yeah, because I'd been working with her for so long. Huh. And I just said, um, okay. And I was, so then I, I left. And, and by the way, in the middle of the manic episode, I bought this house and I'd already owned two houses. It's like, <laughs> really? what are you, yeah, that's what crazy bipolar, you just spend money I've like you think you're rich. Yeah, yeah. And so I had three houses. <laughs> All in Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. Like it's like a monopoly or something. Yeah, right? a house in Hollywood, condo and this. And I, and I was trying to be a landlord. <laughs> I say go for it. I mean, right, but it worked out well because this house that you're wearing, Sherman Oaks, right now, you have a gorgeous house. So oh, it, it, thank whatever you. Whatever happened, it obviously works out really well. Well, well, I was so I I leave Chelsea lately, and then I'm like, okay, just God, because I'm very spiritual. I was like, God, just help. You know, I'm gonna be fine. You know, because the voiceover campaign. I don't. I hope this isn't bragging, but some days I would make eighteen thousand dollars in a day. Oh. Jesus. When it was a lot of scripts, when they'd give me yeah. 24 scripts to read that day. Sure. Um, but it's still very stressful. Yeah. Very stressful. So they fired me. 
Why? They replaced me. They were like, we're changing advertising agencies. And uh, so. How, how, how long after you gave left me- Chelsea? Yeah. Like an, a week. Oh. <laughs> so then. I'm never shopping at Vons again. I, then I'm stuck with three houses and no job. Oh my, oh my god. The Bina Murray thing fell apart. And I'm I sunk into the deepest, darkest depression I think anyone ever could. I was like suicidal. Mm-hmm. And um, well, there's no point to life. I'm going to kill myself. Because that's what happens yeah. at the end of an episode is you go the polar opposite. Yeah. Right? You go, yeah. my stomach's growling. I hope that's fine. That, we love that. Yeah, we, we love, love, we that. love that. I even, I've, I've heard of that with gamblers where it's like, yeah, you get yourself in such a hole from the manic part. And then that is a, like a, so scary to owe so much money or to have that much stress on. on yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, that's happened to me too with my gambling. Mm-hmm. I have a, something I inherited from my mother. <laughs> you can tell both, but I'm like, this is the comedy side where our reaction is to just laugh because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, Jesus, how are you still here? here there is so much stuff that you've gone through you're quite a resilient woman i'm pretty resilient and i believe in god mm. yeah you know so i just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and uh, somehow made it out in medi- medication and psychiatrists and therapists and it's a lot of, and a sponsor and it takes a village to raise me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i i uh so then, where was I? Oh, okay. So <laughs> okay, wait. So you had three houses. I'm so invested in this right now. You oh, had three houses. yeah. Then I had to sell the houses because it was too much, and I lost money on them. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I sold the condo because the guy stopped paying the rent, and he was fucking me over. And I was <laughs> like, "What more can happen to me right now? There's nothing more. There's nothing worse. So I'm just surrendering. Yeah. So I just like turned it all over to the universe and then it all worked out so i just sold that condo i still have my house in hollywood and i kept this house and i got up like four roommates mm-hmm. and i had girls living in my house i had a guy living out there and they helped me pay me my mortgage that's great and you made it through i made it through yeah. yeah and i was like a little sorority house yeah it was really fun these young girls would come and and uh got, found them on craigslist and they were just sweethearts so that happened, and I kind of made it through. And then I noticed there's a state. And then, then in 2006, I was sort of bored with being an actress because I, I felt like, well, this isn't really being of service in any way. It's not helping people. It's kind of self-centered. Mm. So I was like, I want to teach stand-up. Like, that could be really fun. So I started teaching. My first class, I had four girls, and um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I kind of tried and learned. And then um, it just started growing and growing and growing. And then I noticed that my guest house has a stage. It does. Hmm. It randomly does. It's the kitchen. Which you didn't build that? It was. I like didn't a- build it. Whoa. And I was <laughs> like, this could be a classroom. So I turned my guest house into a comedy club. And then I started teaching out of it. And um, my business has boomed since 2006. It's, I've taught over 2,000 women. Wow. How did you stand up comedy? Wow, that's crazy. And being in L.A., yeah, you're, you you must be in a space where people are coming out here. They're they're trying to make it in business, the show business, you know, space arena, and comedy helps. Improv helps. Oh, it's the best background to yeah. have. For any, you can write a book. You can host. You can 
public mm. speaking. Mm. You know, Jeannie Buss took my class, mm. the owner of the Lakers. Really? Wow. Yes. She, that's probably my proudest moment is when she signed up for my class. That's so cool. She heard about me through Heather McDonald, who, uh -huh. who's another one of my pretty funny women. Mm -hmm. And um, she, she signed up and I was like, this is a Felicia Day signed up for my class. Hmm. Uh, one girl signed up for my class and I can't believe I'm forgetting her name because I love her. But that happens to me because there's been so many students. Like I remember them and their act and their face, but their name I can't remember. Yeah. So if I ever forget your name, <gasps> just remind I, me. I, I hope you were going to call me like Jezebel or something. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever forget you, Matilda. <laughs> That would have been a good joke. You're a good writer. <laughs> Thank you. So I, where was I? Oh, okay. Wait. Oh, wait. So the state, 2,000 women. Oh, wait, I have a quick question. Okay. So of the women, of all your people, who has still remained like cool that has had giant fame? Oh, uh, Chloe Feynman. On, she, she's okay. on Saturday Night Live right now. So she's still really like funny and, and she has some recent fame though, right? It's just been like about a year or so. Yeah. Or but when she entered my class, the first thing I told her is you should be on Saturday Night Live. Because she had characters that I'd never seen before, except for Molly Shannon, who's a very good friend of mine. And I was like, this girl, I told her, you should be on Saturday Night Live. She goes, really? And I go, yeah. And so she started taking improv and started yeah. going to the Groundlings. And I think she went to the Groundlings or UCB. And uh, she texted me when she got it. Oh, I love that. And she said, you're the first person who told me this, Lisa. Wow. And that's, I was like, awesome. this is the most rewarding. This is why I teach. Yeah. And then Kimberly Lewis, who's on, was on Single Parents, and she's on a Keenan Ivory Wayne show now. She uh, took my class, and I was like, this girl's special. And she's, you know, thriving right now. So for every person that you've met who you're like, I can see the talent right away, are there people that you have that you're like, yeah, you're going nowhere? That's a good question. Yeah, do, do you tell people just to Never. Like, well, no, you're not going to tell them. <laughs> I don't expect you to have told them. Oh, but, I know it. But you have those moments where you're like, okay. I'm going to teach you this, but it's not going to help you. You're not going anywhere with this. Oh my God. Yes, of course. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, um, this is a waste of my time, but yeah. Is that a little, I'm going to give them as much love as I give everybody. Sure. Aww. But is that a little disheartening knowing that like what you're teaching is sort of like, you know, when it, when it sticks to the wall, it's got to be exciting. Right. When, when you throw something, oh, it sticks. it's such a high. Yeah. But I will say that 80% of the women who take my class don't want to be stand up comics. Yeah. They take it for public speaking or something fun to do or sure. bucket list or. That's um, kind of the way improv was when I took it. When we went around the room and talked, people were like, oh, I just want to be a better public speaker or I'm dealing with PTSD or I'm, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to be like, understand comedy better. You know, I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm not like dealing with any kind of grief so or like, like. Yeah, my wife just it, left me. And it, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, always I like, just want oh, to learn improv. oh, the, <laughs> Should I be in a different class? Should I be in level two? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so so they don't take my class for that reason. And I, I love that because the main thing they get out of my class, it's the number one thing. It's all the thank you cards I get. It's on mm. every card. Um, you gave me confidence that I, I didn't know I had. Yeah. And I was like, that's because you're in a supportive environment with only women who encourage each other you've been in my class i love it more than anything yeah 
I, I, it's hard to go from a situation like your class then to like, which I don't really do like sad open mics by myself because it's such a great environment. And then going to an open mic where people are just texting and not really like looking, it's, it's different. I know it's an, it's a world of its own. It's a bubble mm-hmm. yeah. that I live in and I refuse to go to other people's shows anymore mm-hmm. unless it's an AA convention. I sold my Hollywood house made, mm, $120,000 off it, gambled it away within no. six months. Wow. Wow. And my mother was a compulsive gambler. She went to the racetrack every day when I was a teenager. Hmm. So I learned, oh, this is, you know, you learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it's a learned behavior. And then it's a gene. When I was seven years old, my grandpa was teaching us how to play craps. Mm. And I was like, this is fun. My grandpa's giving me attention. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm going to play with him. And then he he was totally a drunk. And he never looked at us again. Uh, uh, but he'd love to sh- teach us how to play craps. Sometimes I study a lot about neurotransmitters and like norepinephrine a lot. Like I think I think it has it does it is nature nurture where there are like your dopamine is probably higher you know than oh, for gambling. Yeah, exactly. Gambling. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it kicks about, in the dopamine. It gets yeah. you really high. Yes, yeah. And I always study. Or I always like to read about how different neurotransmitters can affect like shoplifters or people that mm-hmm. are really apathetic. I think it's that's funny so that you bring up shoplifting, Meryl. I I shoplift. <laughs> I shoplifted when I, I started taking Lexapro for anxiety like years and years and I started shoplifting like well you know I'm on Abilify which uh-huh. is a drug it's an antipsychotic for bipolar and um, it it there's lawsuits against it for compulsive gambling really it triggers compulsive gamblers interesting mm-hmm. but I never sued because I don't do that a eh? but number two is like no I got this from my mom mm. it was a gift mm. <laughs> It's a gift that keeps on taking. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like you should do the voiceover for Abilify, too. You yeah. should be like the spokeswoman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Side but effects just... include nausea, vomiting, weight gain, tremors, ringworm, lockjaw, homicidal rages, mental retardation, bestiality, sudden coma death. Don't take Abilify if you're over six feet tall, if you own a black lab, if you have tennis elbow. Don't take Abilify if you're pregnant, nursing, or human. <laughs> I, I think go. I think also you doing it at that rapid rate really sells the drug. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bestiality. Okay, wait. And then uh, uh, another random question because I love learning about this. W- yourself included, with all the women that you named, they're also so different. But is there like a common trait or characteristic you see with all these women of like being really powerful and ending ending up with this huge fame? Like, are these people more assertive that you than your other the ones that or? the ones that that excel yeah like a really thick skin they, or what they do you have see? they have like five qualities oh okay let's name them okay uh number one they are fearless mm-hmm. they're just they will take any risk hmm. on stage um uh eliza schlesinger i mean you see her the way she performs she doesn't have you know classic jokes she does act outs and she's just ballsy she won last comic standing season four you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's an accomplishment. I think she's the only woman that ever won that. Um, and then they're because they're fearless. Then number two, they have they're business savvy. They're hustlers. Mm. They're not afraid to ask for what they want. Mm. Most women are very afraid to say, hey, can I go up first or can I, you know, can I leave? Can I because they I have another set. But uh, Chelsea was the hardest working woman i had ever seen hmm. besides me 
(laughs) (laughs) But she worked her ass off. Whitney Cummings works her ass off. Um, So then they have killer representation. They have somebody who kicks down doors for them and Mm -hmm. gets them in rooms. Yeah. Do you often find like that's the toughest one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. I don't even have an agent or a manager. But I feel like you could do better than your own agent or manager. Well, you know, want to hear a creepy story? Yes. And four and five is probably just like nice legs. Uh, (laughs) Tits and ass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's like, it's like confidence, unwavering faith in themselves. Okay. And no, it doesn't matter what they look like or anything. It's just, it's just character traits. And, and they, they don't give up. They don't give up. If you don't give up, something's going to happen. Yeah. So what was I saying? Oh, you were going to say, okay, so um, agent, I, you, I think you can do better than uh, an agent. Oh, this is a creepy story. One night, this was when I was real young after paradigm gave me the, after TriStar gave me the $30,000 holding deal and I never booked anything. So they dropped me. My agents dropped me. Everybody just dropped me. And except for my manager who always believed in me, um, that was a really low time in my life. And I was like crying and sweeping my, my place in the living room. And I started praying. <laughs> Wait, oh, oh, okay. You were praying while you were, I, I was, thought you made that's how low you were as you were actually like sweeping your own place. <laughs> Well, I was, I lived in a little apartment in Hollywood and my rent was $550. Oh Imagine. my gosh. That's like and our- I thought that was high. Wow. So I'm sweeping and praying and I said, God, what do I do? Nobody wants me anymore. Should I get out of the business? And this voice very clearly came into my head and said, if your mom was your agent, would you quit? I go, oh, no. I start talking to the voice. You know, I have a relationship with my higher power. I said, no, because my mom believes in me. My mom was my biggest fan. She, As you know, she died of COVID last year. Um, but and after suffering from Alzheimer's for five years, that was... The Alzheimer's was harder for me than her getting COVID because she was out of pain finally, mm. I believe. Mm. But um, what was I saying? You were sweeping. Yeah, the, and then I, the this voice said to me, if, if your mom was your agent, no, if your mom, you know, was your, would, would you quit? And I said, no, my mom believes in me uh, and she'll always believe in me forever. And the voice said, well, your mom's not your agent. Your agent's not your agent. I'm your agent. Wow. And I will never forget that. God is my agent. God is my employer. God I is everything. That. And then sometimes I start to get into ego and I start to go, oh, well, I need this and I need that. And I have to remind myself, nope, something told me that God's got my back. And so I have (laughs) never since then had an agent or a manager. I've made my everything happen myself. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I like the idea of God like actually taking 30% of everything you make though. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, no, actually, Lisa, that's mine. It's like God turned down the cheers reunion on my behalf. Like, what the hell? That's that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I feel like God is my agent is the name of like a new book. or Somebody said I should make t-shirts. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody listening is going to do it. Yep. That would be my luck. I was just going to say I'm actually making that design right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> you are so funny. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my God, you. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Do you have any nerves at all when you perform? Mm, not anymore. Okay. And when people, I mean, because you always perform on your uh, as your own self, but then on all your showcases for the students, and it's so funny to like watch all of us like little new baby deer walking, and then you come in, and it's just like, okay, this is how it's done. And, like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I was just going to mention that actually when I saw you in La Jolla at the comedy store there, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was great because I saw Meryl set, and and of course. I, Honestly, I didn't have a lot of expectation because I know. Because we're women. No, 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 no. Not of you guys. Come but on. Of Meryl. Because I've known Meryl. I know she's funny, but I also heard the way that this comedy thing comes, she's like, I'm going to take a comedy class. I don't know. And then it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm yeah. going to come support you regardless. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't been talking about the whole process. And so when I went, I was like, you know, it doesn't matter. This is just an awesome thing. It's so hard to get up on stage. And then I was like, wow, Meryl's really funny. He's, she's really good at this. <laughs> yeah. A, a couple of the comics were really great. And having produced shows, I was like, oh, I'm going to ask that girl to be on my show. Oh, good. Kind of thing. So we had Chelsea London Lloyd on mm-hmm. our show. <laughs> Love uh, her. Mm-hmm. But it was, what I thought was really great was, one, yeah, you could tell the, some of these people were a little green. Know, a little green. green. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you came up, you didn't headline, which I really respected. Mm-hmm. Actually, somebody, I think Gabby Lamb headlined. Yeah, because yeah. I don't want to follow Gabby. Yeah. Because Gabby is a gene. She's one of the ones yeah. that I know. Yeah. That if she sticks on her path, yeah. she is going to blow up. Yeah. yeah. She's re- I love her. Yes. We, I, th- we I think her she's so. Unique. She's she's wild and she's brave. She's fearless. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I've always, from the moment I met her, I was like, this, I really like this person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, what I, I love that you didn't headline, but when you came up, you were like a fucking tiger in a cage <laughs> pacing back and forth, staring at us. Like I, if these bars weren't here, I would kill you. I would kill you. <laughs> what just, do you the, mean? just the way that you like commanded that. And it's just like, I could feel this like presence in you. You like really you brought so, the house down. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, yeah you that's, did. That's, that's like, I rarely hear that term and like match it with like, okay, this happened. But I'm like, everyone was roaring with laughter. Yeah. It was, it was super yeah, you were cool. great. You were oh, great. well, you know, my hometown is mm-hmm. Oceanside. So I had a lot of family down there. And friends in that audience who knew me, and all my jokes are very personal. Yeah. And they knew these stories. So they were like, how did she take that story and turn it into a stand-up bit? Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You want to hear one more shit show moment? Oh, my God. Yes, of course. Yes, we have time. Of course. Okay, so when I was working on a cruise ship, I was working for a woman named Anita Mann. (laughs) No, no, that's no, not true. No. That's not true. Anita, this, this not Ani- Anita. Yeah, but Anita Man. Anita Man. That Simpsons. sounds like a porn star. We're calling Mo with the bartender. That, that's a porn star's name. Anita yeah. Man was a solid gold dancer, and she she created the show Fantasy in Vegas, which has been running for, I don't know, it's a topless review, but she's she was somebody who really helped my career, and um, so I was working on this cruise ship. It was called the Costa Allegra. It was in. Italy and it was a mate it's ship's maiden voyage never sailed anything it was a brand new ship so we had to rehearse at midnight because they were working on the stage during the day okay so we weren't getting any sleep and during the day we would just hear hammering Mm. you know (laughs) and we would be like we can't sleep and then she would be like no there's she had like blonde hair she was always chewing gum Big, big boobs really sexy and she'd go guys there's nothing to complain in life you have your arms and your legs and you're not in wheelchairs 
That was her answer to every complaint we had. <laughs> Whether like I have a headache or like I, I lost yeah. $200,000. Like, yeah. Or my name's nothing. Anita Mann. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have your arms and your legs. You're not in wheelchairs. And we were like, but you don't understand. The show sucks. And she's like, it's going to be fine. And then she left. And she didn't even come to help us. She sent another guy to come and like choreograph and, and she help us. She knew it sucked. Um. I don't know if she knew it sucked because she knew we were all super talented, mm. but the whole show as a whole wasn't ready. So it was our opening night and John Stewart, who created Legends, that's his name. It's not the John Stewart you're thinking. Mm. He was one of the most powerful guys in Vegas at that time and, and he created the show called Legends in Vegas. He comes to the show because he was an investor uh-huh. and he's sitting in the audience we do this show the stage is rocking because it happens to be a storm we're slipping on the stage i i had tap shoes (laughs) everybody's forgetting their lines half of our costumes didn't show up because it was you know from la somebody's just in a t-shirt and pants (laughs) and i was like oh fuck so insecure and so we, we we were like, but maybe it's good, you know, because we were real young. We we're like, well, maybe we did a good job. We did our best. So we're all backstage. John <laughs> comes. I, John was his name? John Stewart? It might have been something else. I forgot. <laughs> I need a I need a John. Need I'm ter- a- I'm terrible with names. <laughs> so I need I, a lady. Yeah. <laughs> so I he comes backstage and we're all like. <gasps> he's here and um we go so what'd you think and he goes (laughs) he goes well you're not in wheelchairs at least i can't can't even do this he goes i've been (laughs) he goes i've been in show business for 25 years this is the worst show i've ever seen Oh my god! That's oh. almost—it's almost like a, a good feeling. It, you, if you're not going to be like the the best, the best. then be the worst. <laughs> you, oh man, that is so funny. That's got to be tough. Wasn't that uh, we like were the crying? Worst? <laughs> we were all crying. We thought we were going to get fired. Oh my gosh! And, and, and Anita Band somehow made it happen that we did not get fired. The show did not get replaced, and we worked through it. Wow. And the show became really fun, and um, I slept with lots of Israeli men. <laughs> oh, yes. How do, how do Israeli men compare oh, to... Oh, my God. They were hot. Really? Well, they were head of security for the ship. They spoke five languages. They were super smart, and they were just... I mean, I was like, I'm so attracted to this culture. And I'm not Jewish, but they all thought I was Jewish. And I went with it. Yeah. And I was like, sure. <laughs> Whatever it takes to sleep with you. I'm Jewish, but I've never dated a Jewish boy because they I feel like they love their moms almost too much for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Like they, they are too respectful. Oh, uh, that's a good sign. I know. Though. Like my dad loves his loved his mom so, so, so no, much. No, but you need like a, you, you want to be a dirty whore. Yeah. Like wherever oh. I was, I would choose like the messed up Catholic man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the bad boys. Yeah, I like guys with tattoos. This guy I'm this guy I'm dating though has tattoos. 
Can we talk about your new love? Yes, please. What's his name? His name's Sal. Ooh, oh, salivating. Sal- so salivating. <laughs> Is that his last name? Evading? No, my God, it should be. Evading. <laughs> Sal evading. Just constantly running. <laughs> Listen, I made, after my ex left me because I was manic, I told you that, right? Yeah. Um, he, I made a list that night of all the qualities I want in a man. And they were basically the opposite qualities that my ex had. <laughs> I said, generous with compliments, family values, this age, um, you know, who um, has a spiritual program, believes in God. But the number one thing on my list is always, I must be attracted to him, good sexual chemistry. Because if you don't mm. have that, you're never gonna work on the relationship. Yeah. So I made that list. I went on bumble <laughs> reluctantly and um i found him and bumble is forget about it it's incredible mm-hmm. this app is incredible created by a woman because the woman gets to make the first yes. move I think she's the the high isn't she the highest paid female oh, entrepreneur? Really? yeah she just that. went past the jenners and she whatever. just went public oh. with her Dang. stock yeah She's like billionaire, you know. Oh my god! That I wasn't just, me stuttering. I, I, I was just saying like she was a multi. Well, I respect her so much. <laughs> you just swiped on Sal. <laughs> <laughs> and even just the interface, like the, it makes the guys look cuter the way like the, the orange and the kind of the gray is set up. And I, I feel just, like it makes boys I just look love cute. it. But he he had on his profile that he didn't drink, and that's what I was looking mm. for. He just and then he said, "My life is really good. Just looking to add a plus one to it." Oh, I like that. I know. So he's like not codependent. Nope. And I was like, "This guy sounds cool," but I was selling my house and moving to San Diego, so there was really no point in dating somebody. But I just something told me that same voice. That's my agent. My <laughs> agent told me. <laughs> just uh, just see we what got, happens. We have a new gig for you. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's what your agent said. So he called me and he is a Latino Mm. and I started talking to him and I was like, this guy sounds so sexy. He has like this accent. And um, so I don't know. On our first date, he took me to dinner and I and one of the reasons that my boyfriend and I broke up is because he wouldn't marry me. He refused Mm. after eight years. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. But we got to go. We got to end this then. And mm. I thought he would pursue me. And, you know, there's never a plane. The guy never chases down the plane with the roses begging the girl. <laughs> That's in every movie. Yeah. But that doesn't happen. And he didn't pursue me. And he said, fine, I'm out. And then he left. And uh, he goes, then you should be married. And wait, also, on your bio, on your website, it one of the last lines is that you're you're waiting for your boyfriend to marry you. So we need to delete that. Oh, and update it. shit. Yeah. I've got to get off I just that. remembered that. i got to get off that. Well, yeah. But no, you just transfer it to this new guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just say it's Waiting for, for a boyfriend of two weeks. It's Sal. And then it's he Sal. sees it. Waiting for, and then just put, my boyfriend, Sal. An asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> and then he sees it and breaks up with me because he's like, this girl's needy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my, our first date, you know, and one of the millionaire matchmaker always says the man has to be bold and kiss you. Okay. You know, I learned a lot from dating by watching her. Is she, is that Patty? Yeah. Oh, I like her style. Yeah. 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 So I, um, he, so we had a great time talking. We had a lot in common and he walked me to my car. He grabbed my hand and he goes, you're really pretty. And I was like, what? 
oh my god i never got that from my boyfriend in eight years and i go thank you because i accept compliments oh that's so good of you wow you're really learning (laughs) (laughs) i said thank you so much you're really cute and then he leaned over and kissed me yes and i was like "Ooh, he's doing the man thing and then and then he then this is the number one reason i went out with him again he goes when can i see you again and i was like this guy is a man yeah he knows what he wants because guys who just most guys that i've dealt with in la or where i don't know where it could be anywhere they don't they'll just say good night and you don't know do they like me yeah but Okay, I get that. I get that. But also, is it okay that they're not sure in the beginning? That oh, is, yeah. That's, that's nothing negative it's towards you. It's not okay with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want someone yeah. who knows right away. Yeah. And some I'm people, 53. I don't have time to waste. <laughs> I totally get it. I told, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. Um, I'm just saying, like, sometimes I've gone on dates and been like, there might be something here. It might be not that flash lightning bolt of, like, sexuality mm-hmm. and whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, maybe there's something here and I'll... I need to. I need to think about this. Really? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Hmm. That's then, okay. And then I, other times I, I, I've been like, absolutely not. There's a no right away. Mm-hmm. You know. I get that. And you just go. Well, it's great to see you. You know, nice meeting you. Yeah. You're single. Uh, yes. I've got so many women in oh my, my stable. <laughs> are they pretty funny women? Yes. Yeah, all of them are Why we brought it back? Uh, no. <laughs> Let me be a matchmaker. Oh no, no, no! Do you don't need to do that. I love being matched. I'm in San Diego. You you don't know. You can come up. You can move up. I'm not moving to. Have you seen 90 Day Fiance? No. Okay. Well, they have relationships with people in the Amazon. (laughs) And if you can date, yeah, I'm not doing. Why are you averse to finding a nice girl and being in love? I'm not averse. I am just. You don't need to set me up. Is all I'm saying. Hmm. Okay. Well, (laughs) I like doing it, but anyway. So he said, when can I see you again? And I felt so safe. I felt so secure. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, because uh, I'm busy. And I think he liked that more, that I was super busy. Yeah. And so, and then one of the things on my list is he must pursue me. Mm-hmm. And he just started calling me and asking me out. When can I, you know, how, what are you doing Wednesday night? And I go, oh, I'm, I teach. And he goes, how about Thursday and I was like, whoa. I love that. Yes. Good for you. Good for you. And um, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is bizarre. So I just pulled out the list. He's got every single quality on the list down to tattoos. Tattoos was on your list? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. I always feel so alienated when I'm looking at dating profiles and it's like, love tattoos i'm like well i'm gonna let you down (laughs) now there's two things i'm letting you down on you know (laughs) but you can get tattoos i'm not getting tattoos if you don't have them and at my age it's like why why are you getting them because a girl wants i don't i'm not doing that shit you get matching ones i'm not gonna get a tattoo because some girl's like oh can you get you don't know what you would do if you're in love with somebody oh no i do i've done a lot of dumb things (laughs) (laughs) but you don't want tattoos i just don't yeah Yeah. Uh, they turn me on Good for you. you know, he said What's to me. What's the worst tattoo you've ever seen on a guy? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Because I don't care. Okay. I just you just like, like the shape of tattoos. I just, it reminds <laughs> me of a bad boy. So this guy's got a edge to him like a bad boy. And that's what I yeah. said too. Must be edgy. Uh-huh. Must be funny. He shows up and he's a geometric shape. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the thing that sold me on him. Uh, I love it when one of the things is can fix things around the house, mm. you know, because I own a house. Yeah. 
And so I. And you're looking for a handyman with tattoos, is what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think every girl. Is. Somebody you can fuck. Yeah, yeah. I think literally okay. every woman I know that okay. is. Straight <laughs> 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 I need to get into construction. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That just it's like watching porn. I'm yeah. like, I'd rather watch somebody fix something than any porn. And and just like be like so turned on. So we're sitting outside in that patio, and and uh, I go, I love it that you can fix things. He goes, Yeah, does that turn you on? <laughs> and I go, Totally. And he goes, Why don't you go in the house and break something, and I'll fix it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my god, he's funny. He's funny. That was on my list. <laughs> he just kept checking every time I saw him. I was like, This is God is my agent. This guy hooking you up. God is my God. Agent. I, I hope he never listens to this podcast because I've known him an hour. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, this girl's crazy. What if like, we're not even dating? He is just our handyman. Yeah. He comes to the house. <laughs> I actually, we our date our date was just me clogging the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so that's what's happening. I'm so happy me. for you. You deserve a great guy because you're a very powerful, positive woman and I feel like you need like the male match of that. Oh, mm. thank you. That really means a lot to me. And I'll tell you, last 2020 was the shit show for me. I lost my mom. First of all, I had to deal with her Alzheimer's. She had to be put into a home. It was a state-funded home because she gambled all her money away. It was a shitty mm. nursing home. We, you know, I lost her to COVID. I lost my relationship. I just lost my dog. I mean, I was on the floor in the fetal position for two months straight asking God to take me. I just really? want to die. And I just kept having faith that it was going to change. And I've, I've never been happier than I am today. Wow. Good. Good I love that. How, uh, with your mom passing away due to COVID, does it, do you have like an extra emotional charge about it? We won't talk for too long about COVID, but like, does that make you feel? I just, I get mad when people don't think it's real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And when they think, oh no, it's just a flu. No, no, it killed my mother within two days. She lived in a nursing home and the whole nursing home got (sighs) infected and yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. Wild. And then what is happening with the? Because you had just opened up a studio on Melrose here. In Los I just Angeles. sold it. You just sold that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I sold it because I didn't want it anymore because I don't like driving, and I live in <laughs> Sherman Oaks and it was on Melrose in Hollywood. I sold it to one of my students. I'm not going to say her name because uh, that's confidential right mm-hmm. now. But the student is going to blow it up. Awesome. And cool. she's, she's going to kill it. Cool. Will you be on again? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, Are you well, kidding okay, me? I have so many shit I know. Moments. I want to hear, hear more all the time. I wanted you to just uh, plug your, your life. Where can people find yes. you? Where, where can they get oh. what you do? Like, how can they follow you in how any way? How sweet. Yeah. Um, let's see. They can go to prettyfunnywomen.com to sign up for a class. Or they can follow me on Instagram at prettyfunnywomen. I'm now on Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. PF Women. Okay. Because they don't allow the long name. And PF Women on Twitter. Awesome. Or Lisa A. Sunstet on Twitter. Now, are you still doing like Zoom shows? Oh, God, yeah. So you can check out Zoom shows of the Pretty, Fun- Pretty Funny Women show and uh, jump in there and watch. Sure. But Do we it. only have 100 tickets we can sell and we sell them out every show. That's exciting. So, yeah. So get on your Instagram and watch for when shows are coming? Yes. Okay. Do get, it. But Instagram would mean a lot to me if people followed me. 
Okay. One of my friends just started taking your class, Dr. Venus Opal Reese. I love her. She's out of control. That's I love your her. friend? Yes, I, I write for her podcast and her stuff. Holy she's, she's shit. A, uh, she's, she's a special amazing. person. Yeah, she is. Hopefully one day we'll get her on the show too. But I, I knew she was in good hands because she was asking about, she has like a dream of just doing stand-up and I'm like, okay, you got to meet Lisa and somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you guys are often We running. had a good connection. Cool. Yeah, That's thank awesome. you guys thank so you. much for having me on. Thanks. Thank we'll you so, so, so much. Thank you everybody for listening. <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> and God is your agent. Oh, God. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait. Not, not, not you, though. Not you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. <laughs> Lisa's the best. What a firecracker. I know. She's a real fryer crack. And Bo, she told you she, you were funny, which I feel like when she does that. Is that, that a big thing? Like, yeah. I remember one, after one of my shows that she did with me or that I did, I got to do with her, she was like, she looked at me and she was like, you've got potential. And I almost like buckled to the floor because I'm like, I feel, it's like, you know, when Black Swan or something like the yeah. ballet teacher is like, yeah. okay, and like tapped you on the shoulder. I feel yeah. like that, a compliment from Lisa. She doesn't, even though she says here that she gives them freely, she she doesn't. She's tough. She's a tough cookie. I can tell that she, she gives it, she gives it straight. Yeah. And I, I won't, I'm not going to say that it didn't affect me when she said that I was funny. She's like, kind of like looked at me a certain way, like, huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, got her. She knows funny. I got her. I forgot to mention this, but super quick on my first day of class with her. Yeah. I was, it was when I was um, waking up at 5 a.m. and just like really out of my mind with mm. my sleep schedule. And I had driven up to Los Angeles. And in the class, I was like, you know, it's all new girls. I, I'm just like, just try to be normal once, try to be normal for once mm-hmm. in your life. And I went up and we announced, we had to like look at this sheet and announce where we were from, what, what we want to do out of the show and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I did my stuff. And then uh, when I got sat back down, Lisa went back up and said, okay, who's next? I, I don't know where the sheet went. Like, I can't see the sheet. And I had taken the entire, I was so tired and delirious and like nervous <sighs> that I took the entire roll call sheet with oh, me man. and was like crumpling it up with my hands. Oh, so then like all 30 girls turned around and just, I'm just like, I have the sheet. And I'm oh. so stupid. <laughs> but Lisa has the sheet to my uh, heart. One, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I did like about a very quickly after I met her, um, she gave me a compliment and then I wasn't able to take it because I'm really bad with compliments. And she called me out on it. Because yeah. I don't I, I get uncomfortable when people say like nice things about me in front of other people. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. When someone's like Oh, Bo's green that I'm just like, Oh, don't say anything. No, I feel like you love that. You no, laugh that shit up like a you're llama. Wrong. What are you talking I see about? Your eyes sparkle That's you. That's you. No, you're no, the no. one that's like, tell me more. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but not me. And I was a little like, you know, uncomfortable. And then she called me out. I was like, I like that she called me out. Yeah. I appreciated that about her. She's a firecracker. She's awesome. Yes. I'm, I'm so glad to have had her. And please, if you are thinking about if you are a woman and or identify as a woman, I feel like probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're thinking about taking the class. You don't have to even want to be a stand up comic. You would just want to do it for more confidence or just to meet really cool people or for writing or whatever. I really encourage if you're going to do anything comedy wise, like she's definitely the go to person. I agree. So do it. Thanks again, Lisa. And we love you. And until next time, guys. <laughs> be safe. We don't have an outro. Yeah, we, there's yeah, no outro. Time, yeah, but there's we never a, thought about that. A lot of podcasts have yeah, tags. We, yeah, we should, next we, time, we, like I don't want to say be safe. We, we let no. We let our um. We let our uh, oh, the camp director. The camp director says our outro. Okay. You yeah. Know? Yeah. PB and J. Yeah. He says like uh, 
you know, until next time, you okay. know. I thought yeah. you were going to tell them our, like, tagline. No, what is our tagline? Um, I would say, like, maybe embrace your inner shit show. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, we so have a tagline. So let's start that. Ready? Okay. And here we go. And until next time. Embrace your inner shit show. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show.